Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. We made it. Love making it to the weekend. Love that you made it and came along for the ride with me to the weekend. We're going to end on a very strong note. Love today's show. Love uh, what we have to talk about. I think it's some good stuff. Uh, Steve Kim will be here. TJ Moe will be here. Shamika Michelle will be here. Uh, we're going to stick the landing with an awesome show. And I love that uh, I can talk about my friends at Liver Health Formula. As I told you guys, I believe last week, I've been taking Liver Health Formula close to 18 months now. And this is before they hopped on board, and I had no idea they were going to hop on board as a sponsor. But I couldn't give a more sincere recommendation of a supplement that you can take that will improve your health, that will help clean out, cleanse your liver, help you drop weight, help you get healthier. I, I just I couldn't give a more sincere recommendation. Keep this stuff stocked at my house. You should as well. Uh, this this. It's incredible. The latest data from the American Heart Association indicates that adults with fatty liver were three and a half times more likely to have heart failure than those without. The American Liver Foundation says that 100 million Americans have fatty liver, which means many people are at risk. We throw everything in our livers, cholesterol, alcohol, toxins, Tylenol, cigarettes. That's why so many of us have a sluggish fatty, fatty liver that makes us gain weight and lose energy. For decades now, your liver has helped you with over 500 key functions every day. Time to help your liver. The solution is Liver Health Formula, an all-natural supplement which contains 12 clinically proven botanicals that help recharge and protect your liver. Manufactured right here in the USA and approved by the American doctors. So if you're looking to ignite your fat-burning metabolism, boost your energy, and transform how you look and feel, Try my friends at Liver Health Formula. Receive a free bottle of blood sugar formula to reduce sugar cravings when you order today. Try Liver Health Formula by going to getliverhelp.com slash Jason. Claim your free bonus gift. That's getliverhelp.com slash Jason. Don't forget this last Jason. I want these guys to know that me and my army and our movement support them. There's, look, I, I try to support all of our sponsors. Well, we get a sponsor that I've been supporting with my own for two years before they hopped on board. What bigger endorsement could I give you guys? I'm telling you, this stuff works. Implement it into your daily routine. All right, uh, let me start a fire and get us rolling on the show. Oh, before I do that. Start slamming that like button. Come on, guys and girls. Start slamming that like button. If you're listening over Apple, hit that five-star review. Leave a short review. Make sure you're hitting the notifications and the alerts so that you're getting reminders about the show. Do all that stuff. Crush the likes. Got to fight this algorithm. We walked, through, we walked you through it yesterday about the kind of fight we're in, the kind of headwind we're facing from big tech. 
you got to help me push back. Doesn't cost you a dime. Doesn't cost you anything. Just push back. Hit that button. Hit the likes. All right, uh, let's get the fire started. <clears throat> Women's sports do not suffer from a lack of support. They suffer from a lack of interest. This has been the case since 1972 in the implementation of Title IX, the federal legislation that prohibits sex-based discrimination within education and effectively mandates financial investment in women's athletics at every American school that receives federal funding. Public schools, universities, you know, they receive federal funding. America bends over backwards in its support of women's participation in sports. We reduce the size of college football teams to support women. We've defunded wrestling, baseball, and other men's sports to funnel more funding towards softball, field hockey, tennis, and other sports women play. I bring this all up because Detroit Lions general manager Brad Holmes wore an interesting pullover to Detroit's pre-draft press conference. Across the front, it said, support women and girls in sports. Nice, awesome, sounds good. Riley Gaines, the former University of Kentucky swimmer and current outspoken critic of biological men participating in women's sports, interpreted Brad Holmes's shirt as support for her stance. Gaines quote tweeted, quote tweeted an image of Holmes in the shirt and added, amazing, thank you. I get why Gaines did it. Her position is such a no-brainer, she's shocked that every athlete and coach doesn't publicly support her position. She's justifiably thirsty for support from within the sports world. She thinks Brad Holmes is a breakthrough, a moment where the, the tidal wave is about to go the other way. I'm not so sure. The NFL is woke. The NFL no longer takes bold stances that support traditional values and truth. This is the league that did a commercial pro promoting the NFL is gay. The NFL bows to the LGBTQIA silent P alphabet mafia. Holmes's shirt had a Detroit logo, a Lions logo on it. He apparently stated that he was given the shirt by Lindsey Verstegen, the diversity officer of the Detroit Lions. Lindsey lists her pronouns, she, her, in her Twitter bio. Lindsey is a soldier and ally of the Alphabet Mafia. So is Brad Holmes. It's a requirement for elevation within the NFL. He's bought the lie that there's a lack of support for women's sports. No, there's a lack of interest. Feminists have cleverly conflated the words support and interest. America supports women's sports. America supports women. The patriarchy supports women. What feminists want and what they're forcing men to do is pander. Lindsey Bertsey Teagan gave Holmes a shirt that basically says pander to women and girls. Like most men, Holmes is being programmed to provide women additional welfare. He's been trained to feel sorry for women. 
He's been convinced women have been given a raw deal in America. He sees a lack of interest as a lack of support. I don't. I reject that. The disparity in interest between men's and women's sports is directly tied to the inherent physical and mental differences between men and women. Women don't play sports at the same level as men. And they don't take interest in sports at the same level as men. I'm not apologizing for those differences. Men and women are designed differently. We should be thanking God for that, not trying to manipulate genetics or society to make men and women the same. As a group, men have nothing to apologize for as it relates to our treatment of women. We don't owe women reparations. Have individual men been unfair in their treatment of women and others? Absolutely. But as a group, our real mistake has been pandering to women. We should apologize for pandering to, not exploiting women. The primary reason women did not vote is because American society used to cater to the nuclear family. The nuclear family built America. This country used to take marriage and biblical values seriously. Man and woman joined as one through a marriage covenant. Women accepted male leadership before technological advances convinced women that men are no longer a necessity. Feminism would go away if the primary way of eating involved every family hunting, farming, and cooking. Necessity, not sexism, determined gender roles. Let's stop pandering. Do the Detroit Lions need a diversity officer? This is a made up position to install a woman within a football organization. What does Lindsey Verstegen do that contributes to winning football games? Nothing. It's a charity public relations position that never existed in football until a few years ago. Lindsay is there to manage the perception of the Detroit Lions on social media. She's paid high six figures to make sure Brad Holmes wears the right sweatshirt. She's a stylist. Go look at the demographics of Detroit. Roughly 80% of the Motor City is black. But a liberal, pronoun-using white woman is the diversity officer of the Detroit Lions. Make that make sense for me. The unemployment rate for blacks in Detroit hovers around 20%. No one black in Detroit would like a cushy job managing black Twitter and picking virtue signaling t-shirts for executive and coaches. I got friends in Detroit. They love that job. It's easy. The way feminists have manipulated sports Supporting women and girls in sports really means displacing men from jobs intended for them. We're participating in our own suicide. Feminists have tricked men into doing the dirty work of castrating themselves. Hats off to Brad Holmes 
and everybody within the Detroit Lions organization, you cut your balls off. Awesome, guys. And continue. There'll be more men doing the same. This is what we do now. We pander. We've been convinced that, oh my God, we've just so mistreated women and we owe them jobs and leadership positions and, and we must sacrifice and give up our own leaders and we must change the entire culture to make sure women feel warm and fuzzy and comfortable at all times. And it doesn't matter that Lindsay Vertz-Teagan or any of these other women bring virtually no value to the NFL or the Detroit Lions. We must empower them. We must support women and girls in sports. It doesn't matter that our whole government has thrown billions of dollars at every university, every school in the country to develop women athletes. That's not enough. We must go a step further and take men's sports and make them women's sports and find women football coaches and women football executives. And I know I sound like a sexist pig. I don't care. These are all facts. We have not mistreated women. We did not create industries that exploited women. Other, you know, you want to take it up with Hugh Hefner and Playboy and uh, Larry Flint and Hustler and all that? Take it up with them. But in the sports world, football, there wasn't a long line of women. Oh, I, I got to have one of these football jobs. Now that it's a multi-billion dollar industry and that we can create all these little cushy jobs that have Nothing to do with the bottom line. Now they all want a job. But when Bronco Najerski was building the league, when Jim Thorpe was building the league, when Jim Brown and Dick Buckus were building the league before there were billions of dollars to sprinkle around at everyone's feet, you think Lindsey Bertstegan, her mama, grandmama, or anybody wanted a job in the NFL? When Lynn Dawson and the players in the 50s and 60s were taking off-season jobs at grocery stores or TV stations and, and were like real working people, you think there was a long line of women like, damn it, I need one of them football jobs. You know how long that line was? It's the same length as the, as the line of women lining up to go dig for coal in a coal mine. They're not trying, they don't have diversity officers at coal mining facilities because no one works, wants that work other than men. But now that there's some cushy job to sit behind a desk and sit on Twitter all day, and does he have the right T-shirt on? Is he on right, the right message? Is he promoting women and the trans movement? Yes, yeah, sign me up for that. Oh, and that pays $225,000 a year plus health benefits? Oh, sign me up for that. Oh, I want that job. Think Lindsey wants to put a jock strap on and do some real football work? 
we got to cut. This is insanity what we're doing. And, and we're, we're going to go to TJ, uh, uh, Steve Kim first, but I can't wait for TJ to get here because TJ and I were having an interesting conversation yesterday about these cowardly men who are ruining America because they're soft and they're cowards and they pander. It's, it's embarrassing. So uh, let's go to Steve Kim first. Steve, I want to start here. Am I right that Riley Gaines has misinterpreted this T-shirt? Or, or do you see the shirt and the message maybe the same? Is he taking a stance against men with sticks and balls playing women's sports? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And look, I, I am 100% with Riley Gaines, but he never specifically said, I'm for women in women's sports. This looks like more forced pandering. I get the sense that Holmes, who's an excellent young GM, done a great job of drafting and building a team on the rise, was kind of forced to be up there and to virtue signal. And it's sad because I, I'm with you all the way, Jason. It all kind of started with Amy Trask who was, I guess, the head lieutenant for Al Davis, and everyone thought, oh, my God, she's a pioneer. She's great. And people really thought she was a football person or a football guy. And they always overlook how bad the Raiders have been the past 25, 30 years, save a three-year stretch in the early 2000s. And I, it, it's amazing that there's a diversity chief on the Detroit Lions or any team. I, I mean, what is she looking for? A white cornerback? Or how about this? She's looking for the next Asian running back, Barry Sakamoto. That's what she's there for, okay? Because I just don't understand it. It's maddening. And to your point, starting with Title IX, which was legislated, I believe, in the late 60s, early 70s, it basically decreed that women must have equal opportunities at the college level to play sports in terms of the allotment of scholarships across each athletic department. I think that's okay. That's absolutely fair. But you can legislate participation within the sport, but you cannot legislate, as you stated, interest from the public. And if women really wanted to support women's sport or girl power, the best thing they could do is not have some cushy front office job with a fancy title. It's to actually go to WNBA games and women's soccer games or whatever sport has women in them because last I checked, they are half the population in the United States. And I think the blunt truth is they care even less about women's sports than men. And here's the truth. They, they, they so control the behavior of men that if women went to WNBA games, men would follow. If they went to Whatever, softball games, men would follow. First of all, there's plenty of data that just shows on a percentage basis, the percentage gap between men and women who just as children want to participate in sports. There's a huge gap. Again, just think, and, and that's not some reflection of uh, societal programming or whatever. It's just like, 
<laughs> Women did, didn't want to play dodgeball at the same yeah. level that me and my buddies wanted to play dodgeball. Because you could get hurt playing dodgeball, and they were smart enough to figure out, nah, I really don't want to do that. I'd rather do something else. Mm. And, and so all the <laughs> sports, in terms of just wanting to play and participate, women don't want to play basketball as much as men want to play basketball. And, and so it's no different than I, I'm consistent about it as it relates to the whole coaching thing with black coaches. It's like, hold on, man. I know many white guys that at a young age said, man, I'm not good enough to play sports. I want to coach it. Yeah. I want to participate, but I want to do it from the coach. I've never met a black dude that, re- that would prefer to be a coach than a player. Every black dude I know, no matter... Marvin, he could be playing Division Three and still have that NFL dream. Well, this is going to be the year I'm going to make it to the NFL. I've seen plenty of white dudes riding the bench on Division One teams, playing with me. It was like they made the pivot in their mind. I'm not going to be a pro. I'm here to learn how to coach or I'm here to learn how to do something else. Black dudes don't think about coaching until their NFL or college careers are over, whereas somebody else has been preparing since they were 15 to be a coach. And, and so I, I just, th- this whole thing of supporting, we support women in sports to the ultimate. To, to the, that's why our women's soccer team is better than everybody else in the world because we've dumped all kinds of money into developing women's soccer players. But you're, you're not going to force women to be interested in sports overall and then the lesser version of sports women's sports, they're not going to be forced to like that either. Jason, what's interesting is you bring up softball. Once in a while, I'll be flipping around the channel at ESPNU, the SEC Network. You know what's funny about that sport? I actually like it because of the quick tempo, and I think the overall skills of the young ladies has really evolved from 30, 40 years ago, where every game was a no-hitter and a one-nothing game either way. But there are colleges now that when you watch their games, it's a thing. They actually draw pretty well before the college World Series, whatever version they have, in May and June. So throughout the regular season, there's a lot of schools, I think like Oklahoma, a lot of the SEC schools. I just happen to see it, and they're like, people are interested, and they're drawing a lot better than you would think. Second of all, the participation of women in football, and I'm not talking about lingerie football, which, by the way, I think a lot of us wholeheartedly support. But I remember back in elementary school when I was in Valencia, California, at Meadows, Meadowlark um, Elementary and then Placerio Junior High, every once in a while they would make the PE classes intermingle and we'd have flag football games. And I'll never forget that those were the worst games because the girls were scared to death and the guys were like kind of hesitant to play. And even when I got the ball, when I'm going upfield, these girls are just getting out of the way. Think about it. I'm Asian. They're getting out of an Asian's way. In, I mean, could you imagine if they were playing a young Jason Whitlock? Oh, and I'm thinking to myself, they're not built for this. They simply are not built for this. And the other thing is, I wonder, since they've already begun the infiltration of front office jobs with females, they already have coaching assistants and they have internships and programs. Uh, You know, Tampa Bay was big on it. There's going to be a female coordinator one day, probably, and then a head coach. And I wonder how that's going to play in a locker room 
because I know it's not popular to say, Jason, but I believe most athletes who are male, in fact, I would say 99.9% of them, if they're being honest, whether they hate the coach or not, they want that leadership to be a man. And I just want to say one thing about Detroit. If it was Dan Campbell who wore that shirt and said that, I think it would have been a sad day for the Kimster because that would have been like finding out Santa Claus wasn't real. God, dog. Man. Mm, I, I want to go back to a just a biological fact. And, and But first I want to address your point about uh, women coaches and, and what will happen. And, and I would say we're 12 years away from a woman having a real coaching position in the NFL. And whether that's special teams coach or some coordinator's position or some position coach even. We're, we're about 12 years away from that. Here's what I think about the professional athletes at, the, at this. They don't care. Man, woman, all they care about is a paycheck. That, that's all they care about is a paycheck. And they'll mm -hmm. put up with and promote anything as long as they're getting paid. Now, I'm just telling you, that, that, that's not, where they've gone with this. They're starting to get chewed out, though. Again, one thing is to get that big paycheck every two weeks. You're like, you know what, that's part of the job. But if they make a mental error and that coach gets right in your face and they're acting like Nick Saban or Kirby Smart and some ladies up in your face, really, you think it'll they'll have the exact same reaction? I completely disagree with that. I, I think wouldn't say the exact same reaction. It won't be the exact same, but they'll tolerate it because I'm t they don't care about the game, man. They just care what's in it for me instant gratification-wise. If they cared about the game, and I'm jumping sports, but if they actually cared about the games, they wouldn't have let the NBA and just basketball denigrate into what it is. They just don't care. They wouldn't let college basketball be destroyed. They don't care about the game. They care about how, can I, how quickly can I get to the paycheck, and that's all that matters. We'll tolerate everything else. Doesn't mean they'll like it, but they'll tolerate it. Because that, that, that's what we're seeing across the board with men. There's all kinds of things going on in society that men don't like. They'll tolerate anything, though. The, the, I'm just telling you. The, yeah, these, these guys will take a transgender coach, a transgender a man dressed up as a woman as a head coach. They'll deal with it, tolerate it, as long as the check's good. Men, at this point, we've been so emasculated, our values eviscerated, We'll tolerate anything. Well, okay. For a transgender, leave that for the WNBA. That's right up their alley. I'm going to say this again. I, I said it several months ago that when, 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 if you had a female coach get in the face of any athlete and just chew them out, you know what the phrase would be under their breath as they walked away? Bitch, please. Come on. Let's be honest, Jason. It, it would be a little bit different than having Robert Montgomery Knight, okay, threaten you. There'd be a little bit of fear. Some, some girl comes I'm up. I'm gonna to tell you how. Let me tell you. I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm disagreeing with your tone. I'm telling. When this happens, 12 years from now, you're not watching the decline of men, and and you're, oh, you're yes, not. And trust me, the decline <laughs> of men is gonna keep pace with this stupidity. And so you're not wrong. But here's. This is what it's gonna sound like. Bitch, please. 
That's okay, what it's going to sound like. Come on, come on. Two snaps. Hated it. That's what it's going to sound like. It's not. It ain't. It ain't going to be what, what you think it is. It, it ain't. <laughs> yes, that's what it's going to be. You're, I'm telling you. There's there's one other oh, at, that that I've I've now forgot. I had one other big point that I wanted to make. And it's getting old. I become an old fart, and I forgot. Or maybe I'll remember. I, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna tweak this a little bit, and 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 not. I'm gonna go out of order here, guys. Justin and mm-hmm. these guys. I, I'm I'm to stay on Detroit because we're on Detroit, and we went a little longer than I thought. Uh, this I just want to have a little football discussion here as it relates to the Detroit Lions. Four of their players, or is it six of their players? I think four have indefinite suspensions and two got shorter suspensions uh, for gambling. And, and yeah, four Lions uh, plus a couple other guys, I think, for, for gambling. Some of them bet on games, I think, unrelated to the NFL, and that's why their suspensions are shorter. And then I think there's four guys that have indefinite suspensions. Uh, And so the Lions are this ascending team and franchise that we all thought this coming season is going to be their big year to make the playoffs and be a real threat, in my opinion, in the playoffs. This type of suspension, I think, could undermine all of that. It's like the the Detroit Lions, nothing but bad news. When I read the name Jamison Williams, my heart dropped because that's a kid that did not play a lot last year, had an injury, but he is that over-the-top threat on the outside who can stretch a defense, and it was going to be like getting his rookie year over again, and it looks like it may not happen till next year. I'm just, look, I hear all the Twitter chatter about the hypocrisy of all these leagues getting involved in gambling, and now guys are being suspended for gambling. I get that argument, but a rule is a rule. And Jason, with great benefits and great salaries come certain responsibilities, and you know the rules. I just don't understand why these athletes would even put their hard-earned money up and get into that racket, given the fact that there has been point shaving. You may owe the wrong people money, and I get it. This may be an online thing, so there's no veto from New Jersey who's going to send a leg breaker after you. But, Jason, they are told by the Players Association. There's probably signs up on the wall saying the do's and don'ts. And they broke that covenant, and now they have to pay. And I I think the media has to stop being enablers and feeling sorry for these guys that clearly break a stated rule, whether it's illogical or not. Here's the thing, Steve, that... I don't know if you called last week. We did an interview with David Tyree. Yes. And, and David Tyree talked about uh, his second year or first year in the, after his rookie season. He's in the NFL. He's a late-round pick. He's making some nice money, but he makes it up in his mind, man, I can be a baller. Uh, you know, me and some of my friends, we're going to sell weed. And, and he gets busted. And, and people will hear that story and be like, man, he's in the NFL. He got it made. How, why would he take that risk? That seems so stupid. That seems so silly. And, and what they don't understand 
is the wide disparity that exists in a 53-man NFL locker room. You got guys making 30, 40 million a year, and guys that are making seven, eight hundred thousand a year, who feel like because of the environment that they're in, that they're making thirty-five thousand a year compared to their peers. Yeah. When you're making nine hundred thousand and you're running around and there's a half dozen guys, maybe a dozen guys in on your roster that are making more than 10, 12 million a year, you feel like a peasant, even though out of, you're making $900,000 a year, $800,000 a year, and you're 23 years old. You should feel real good. But I under, this is the dangerous, slippery slope that the NFL has gotten itself into with embracing these gambling companies because I just think it makes it harder and harder. The players now, because of fantasy football and the fans constantly gambling, they hear about it over social media, gambling, 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 gambling. They feel like they're smarter than I know more about football. And I got friends all around the league and I got inside information. And this is a way for me to supplement my income. This does not surprise me that this I'm surprised it doesn't go on and doesn't get caught more often. Well, again, like you said, the, the, we're only focusing on the guys that get caught, maybe do it a little bit more intelligently but i mean you go all the way back to alex karras former lion paul horning arch schleister uh calvin ridley i believe just last year gambling is a no-fly zone for the national football league and you could talk about the hypocrisy but the bottom line is the players have certain rules they have to follow i have a question jason i don't know if you ever saw that 30 for 30 came out about seven eight years ago about professional athletes going broke and we've all read the statistics about a lot of athletes, specifically in the National Basketball Association and the NFL, who within three, four leagues lose most of their fortune because it's a very finite period of time. My view is this. If you're in that profession and the average National Football League career is about three and a half to four years, every paycheck counts. OK, it's not like being an accountant. It's not like doing what we do. We can do this for a very long time. These guys, by age 30, have to look at the next chapter of their lives. And my view is this. And again, they can do whatever they want with their money. They don't have to listen to me. I'm not EF Hutton. But in that profession, given the stakes and how short it is, instead of gambling on an 18 parlay or playing the over-under, can you just do something as simple as getting to a Roth IRA or putting it to a tax shelter and then, and this is why I do not listen to a lot of the boxers, the, the sport that I'm most versed in. All these fighters talk about the system. The game did this to me. Don King did this, this. Manager, and I'm thinking, right, had nothing to do with your four baby mamas, your 18 Escalades, your, the Fort Knox of jewelry, and all that other stuff that you gambled away. It, 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 there, there has to be a sense of personal responsibility. Or how about this, guys? Instead of betting some of that money, how about buying properties in depressed communities and actually building up businesses and helping out people? So, and so when players start crying poor after they've made millions of dollars, here it's deaf ears with me, Whitlock. I get it. I understand the sentiment. I, I, I just think it's a bit, I'm not making excuses for them because trust me, it's a mistake. It's bad, it's stupid, it, it's a self-inflicted wound. But, but I, I think these players exist in an environment and culture 
when you, and this is really going big picture, but it, it connects to uh, the whole conversation we just had about Brad Holmes and the diversity officer. When you stuff so much BS into a business, it turns people very cynical. These players can look around and go, this woman has this job and she's some sort of executive and she's some sort of assistant coach. And, and what they really, they can't say it, they say it to themselves and amongst themselves like, look at everybody eating off of us. Yes. We go out here and play the game and risk our safety and look at Lindsay Vertstegen is eating off of me. She's diversity officer, has some sort of big time title, is getting paid two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars a year to manage our social media feeds and to make sure that you know we're racially diverse. And 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 then they look around and and trust me, the players know it and feel it even more than we do as fans. They look and say, Man, this officiating is screwy. And they favor certain teams, certain players, and, 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 and they sit there and speculate about, I wonder if this ref or that ref is gambling and, and, and we'll never hear about it. And so I just think you stack so many lies and fill your league with so much corruption. And trust me, they know that the whole Black Lives Matter thing, the ones that was out there kneeling, they know like, this is a gimmick. And Colin, Ka Colin Kaepernick is a gimmick, and he's out here getting Nike commercials. And so the, everybody just gets into that mentality of what's in it for me. Everybody Jason, else is eating. I want to eat more. You make an interesting point because I'm looking at that lady, and look, I don't know anything about her. I don't want to disparage her. But I wondered does she even know who Billy Sims is? I I'm being serious. Would she even know who Benny Blades is? Would she even know who the great Herman Moore is or Brett Perriman or Eric Hipple? As Jerry I show Ball. Once? Jerry Ball. I mean, she probably Wayne knows. Fonts. Wayne Fonts. By the way, Wayne Fonts underrated. The guy actually went to like three playoffs. Like, let's give him some credit. We actually won a playoff game in 91. She probably knows who Chris Spielman is since he works in the front office. So to your point, if there was that exact same role and you gave it to a former player, who bled on that turf, who left a piece of himself on the Silver Dome and played the game, I'd be like, you know what, okay, you're taking care of one of your own. This here feels like an interloper. I completely agree with you. And, and so trust me, these players may not be the brightest, but as it relates to their profession, they've given it a lot of thought, and they can see, like, everybody's benefiting off of my risk and yes. my sacrifice. And, 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 and again, you don't have to, the guys making $30 million a year, 20 million, 15, they're all good. I'm talking about the rank and file, that bottom 20 guys that making nice money, but not generational wealth. These guys become cynical and start thinking about what's in it for me. And that's why organizations and we've, we've gone completely away from this in America. But all organizations have to be run with a level of integrity, a level of fairness that promote that type of values and mentality among all employees. So take this little thing we got at Fearless or whatever. There's a way that it has to operate and run that 
makes people, everybody's always going to have complaints, but you don't want them to think like, man, this is just corrupt and everybody, Whitlock's just exploiting us and, uh, you know, he's, he's hiring his buddies and they're exploiting us and blah, blah, blah. Because then the next thing you know, you just start thinking about, okay, how can I exploit this situation? Everybody else is doing it. That's what I think is happening in the NFL and, and I, in yeah, the, as all these leagues move away from the bottom line and, and let's take care of the alphabet mafia. You know how many players really don't care about the alphabet mafia and aren't on board with it, but they're looking at the league, pander to that, and it's pissing them off. Mm. Yeah, and by the way, I want to address one thing. Yeah, every time you make me talk about women's college basketball, it is Asian hate. I wanted to address that. Let's just get it out of the way, get into the open. Anyway, next subject. What are we going to here, Jason, on my show? Uh, what are we doing? Final, <laughs> final subject. I want to, and, and we're not going to have as much time for this as I would like. I'll probably unpack a little bit more with TJ Moe, but uh, what do you think of all the people complaining about blue checks and having to pay $8 for a Twitter blue check? I, I don't get it. I, I, the $8 to me isn't about me having a blue check and making myself special. It's about me saying, figuring out like, man, Twitter's a really horribly run business. Elon Musk bought a CIA operation, not a business, and I'm going to support him as he tries to make this thing better. And it's not, you know, he's the richest man or one of the richest men in the world. I don't feel sorry for him, but I don't mind supporting Twitter. I use it every day, and I don't like everything about Twitter. I've made that crystal clear over the years. But I use it every day. It helps me do my job, $8 a month. I send the San Diego Union Tribune $16 a month, and I never use their site. I just was, like, supporting journal. There's a bunch of newspapers I subscribe to that I rarely read just out of support for journalists. Why can't I support Elon Musk and Twitter? Hey, newsflash. Elon Musk is a businessman. He likes to make money. Yeah, exactly. And by the way, for $8 for me to be able to troll and anger a lot of boxing fans, I think I'm getting the greatest bargain in the world. And by the way, aren't there thousands and millions of people that get a coffee, latte, mocha, frappe, I don't get, at Starbucks that costs like $7.50 a day? And they do it every day without complaint. So I don't want to hear it. And look, here's the issue with the blue check. I bought it because some of the features, the editing feature, which I've actually used pretty well because yeah. I've yeah, I do a lot of typos, trust me. Um, the longer videos, which I got to learn how to do. And there's other things. And look, I don't find it to be that obtrusive. Uh, I'm lucky enough I don't have to do a GoFundMe campaign for my Twitter blue check. What I found interesting, Jason, um, guys like you were easily checked or verified, given your stature. Me, I tried to go through the verification process after seeing Several people in the boxing media space who had a lot less influence and followers than I did. And for some reason, uh, I got the Mutombo finger. And it became very, I was very clear, it was very, very political. And it turned out people were taking bribes. So it was not a fair process. But cry me a river. All these people that are now coming off the ivory tower and now back with the peasants on the Twitter streets. You know what? You people can afford it. No one is forcing you to do anything. You don't have to use Twitter, but I use it a lot because it does help me. It's very, very impactful in a lot of different ways. 
even with its faults, I still find it to be a net positive overall for what I do. I'm about to admit another embarrassment. I subscribe to the New York Times. And what? You know, yeah, I do. And 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 it's not and try I disagree completely with the New York Times. But you know, I want access to some of the stupid stuff they write. I don't mind supporting journalists, even very misguided journalists like the New York Times. And and so I've heard people say, like, this is a political thing. You're, you're supporting Elon, and only conservatives are supporting. I'm like, well, how does that explain my subscription to the New York Times and the Washington Post? And, Jason. again, countless newspapers I can't even name around the country. Uh, Maybe I'm just an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree. Uh, I don't even know who you are anymore. You know what I would do with the New York Times? I would actually subscribe to the physical paper version of it. And use it as the most expensive toilet paper. That's what I think of the old gray lady. By the way, Jason, I know you got to get out of here. I, I want to give you something. I've been wanting to give you this for a couple of days. You did a hell of a job defending the greatest middle linebacker of all time. And on behalf of the Hurricane Nation, I want to give you this game ball. Look, I mean, this is beautiful. Look at that thing. God, you, you did a hell of a job. You know what you need to do? What? Stuff that ball down JB's throat the next time you see him for I trying mean, to disrespect Ray Lewis. I mean, I couldn't. Then he said something that was so egregious. I'm going to have to, like, just get on his ass. He said Ray Lewis played in the spread era. He, his rookie year was in 1996. Back then, they were still going fullback, tailback, tight end. Everyone was still in 11 personnel, and everyone was still trying to establish the run. Before I get out of here, there's one thing. And I know stats don't say everything. Ray Lewis, I think, is the only player in the history of football to have 40 sacks and 40 interceptions. That's an amazing stat, Jason, for a middle linebacker. I don't think it'll ever be matched. But again, Jay, game ball. Good job. Good job. You, you, you're Thank you very baby. much. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it next to some Ball State game balls I got as a fan, not as a player. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, great job, Steve Kim. Uh, we'll see you next week. Hey, guys, I keep telling you guys about Nefarious, our buddy Steve Dace from the Steve Dace Show wrote a book, they've turned it into a movie. It's a psychological thriller. It's about a death row inmate and a psychiatrist that comes in to talk to the death row inmate to figure out if he's sane enough to be killed. They get into all kinds of deeper thoughts and discussions that try to explain the nature of man. It's a psychological thriller, have you on the edge of your seat. Uh, It will not violate your biblical values, which is always a plus when you go see a Hollywood movie, go to whoisnefarious.com to buy tickets to find out where it's playing in your area. Trust me, you will enjoy it. I don't like very many movies. I like Nefarious. Whoisnefarious.com. Keep pounding that like button. Keep giving me the five-star reviews at Apple. TJ Moe, next. All right, welcome back. Let's bring in TJ Moe. You guys know him. Uh, former Mizzou football player, cup of coffee with the New England Patriots and the uh, St. Louis Rams. TJ, 
What do you think of my take that we're conflating support for women in sports with interest in women in sports? I think we have supported women in sports for the last 60, 70 years to the highest level possible, uh, to the point of pandering. I, I think the interest in women's sports uh, you know, has improved, but it's, it's never gonna be the equal of men because we're just biologically and mentally different. Uh, and so how did you interpret Brad Holmes and the wearing of the you know, support women and girls in sports. How did you interpret that? I think I think most of those guys who show up, um, it, it it is not often they'll step out of line. So I think you nailed it. That was that was pushed down from the top from the DIE officer and such, and it didn't have any of the meaning that anybody hoped it would have. It was just a just so you know, women are underpaid, and I agree because I'm supposed to agree. And anyway, can we talk about football? They just told me to wear this shirt. That's what that was about. And it's, it is frustrating because so few people are willing to step out of line. Um, you had Jack Del Rio step out of line for about five seconds and he got the hammer put down on him last year when he called January 6th a dust up. There's just so few guys willing to do it. Um, I don't think this general manager was one of them. Um, I, I can tell you it would be a bigger deal already if he was because the NFL would already have had a statement out condemning it and saying that they were actually in support. of. So we already know, right? It would, it would have gotten uh, quashed pretty quickly there. It is. I think you perfectly crystallized my feelings about women's sports, particularly at the college level and below. I actually don't care that much about professional women's sports. Look, if you if you if you can't make it on your own by the time you're in the workforce, I, I don't think we should be subsidizing you. I don't think the NBA should be subsidizing the WNBA to the tune of 10 to 20 million dollars a year like they do. I don't think that is the proper thing. I am fine with subsidizing college sports. I think I think college sports, particularly for women and all people, are a really good thing. And I'm well aware that at the University of Missouri, there are were two sports making any money. The vast, vast majority of it, 90 plus percent of it was football, the sport that I played, and basketball was the second. Every other sport lost major money. But I still think the the female gymnasts that I know, it was very good for them to have an opportunity to be participating in their sport. I don't have a problem with that. So I was getting paid less money. I was during a time where there was no NIL and the colleges weren't paying. So yes, they paid my room and board. I wasn't getting a salary from them, but I was aware that, look, we're subsidizing the women's tennis team. And I mean, half the men's sports too. It's not like any of the other men, the, the men's track team, we're subsidizing any, everybody else. But at the college level, I'm actually fine with that. We're all still learning at the college level. Uh, to me, it's not all just about money, particularly for 18 year olds. I'm fine with that. But I think I th this is the difference between conservatives and liberals. I think we I, I totally support every, particularly in the college arena, the the women's rights to have their own teams totally separate and we can celebrate them. There may not be that many people watching. I won't be one of them. I've only as far as women's sports goes, if I don't know you. Your name's not Serena Williams, or you don't play for the Women's World Cup team. Probably not that interested. And so women's sport, Caitlin Clark got me. She's the first one ever that I've sat down and watched a, a women's basketball game that wasn't either for Mizzou or somebody that I knew. So there are very few. 
I have no interest, but I do support them. And so I think that was, I've never heard anybody break it down like that. I think that's a great crystallization of what most people feel. The reality is Democrats yesterday had a house bill that came out that said, let's protect women in women's sports and keep men out of it. And not a single Democrat voted for that. So they don't actually support women. What they're looking for is victims. And it turns out that in their view, these trans people are bigger victims than women are in this case. So they have to side with them. So they don't care about siding with the women and actually protecting their sport. They just found a new victim and somebody else that they can exploit to make it look like they're for the little guys, even though they're all the billionaires now and they've taken over all the corporations and virtually everything else in America. What I've moved to, we're pandering to women. And women are demanding that we pander to them. And we're acquiescing to those demands. We're installing them in jobs throughout the NFL, throughout the NBA, sports agency. Now, I'm, Nicole Lynn is the new Jerry Maguire and blah, blah. It's all make-believe stuff. And, and again, I know people say, she negotiated a contract for Jalen Hurts, it's the riches, you're just trying to blah, blah. It's all a gimmick. It's all rigged up. It's all, you know, just like they bought Quinn and Williams for and put her on the face. It's all riding this wave of matriarchal energy and women must be installed in all leadership positions over men in some capacity. And, and, and it's all reprehensible and repulsive and the wrong thing to do in my mind. And so I look at this Lindsay what, Vertz Tegan or whatever, and this little make-believe job, you know, she manages how the team is perceived over black Twitter. That, that's basically her job. Uh, when diversity, the NFL, in, in Detroit, one of the blackest cities in America, a, a franchise that if you go look, if you count the players and their overall employees, they ain't doing bad diversity-wise. This is just a job created so they can say they have a female executive. It, it, this is pandering. This has nothing to do with the financial bottom line. It has nothing to do with the real financial bottom line. It has nothing to do with winning games. It, it's, it's about winning a perception battle, and, and it's why America is less than what it used to be, because we don't make real decisions anymore. We make PR decisions. It's 100% true. I, I'm going to restate something that you've already said uh, in, in your monologue that I think was 100% true, and nobody's really willing to say it. You said it a little bit differently, but it is that women and I, I, as you well know, when you wrote this, not going to be a super popular thing to say. Women wait for men to build something. And then when the job is really super easy and they don't have to do much after that, they claim victimhood said, we wanted to be doing this the whole time. You kept us out of it. And then they jump in and demand a high paying job for now. What is an easy job and didn't want to be a part of the building. And that is happening everywhere. 
And so, you know, it's, I was arguing with my friend, a uh, buddy of mine who caught, he's, he's moved to California. So he's moved substantially left since we used to do a radio show together. And he was talking about how, well, we, we've opened everything up now and look, more women are doctors and attorneys and they could have been the whole time. And so we had a, a misidentified idea of who women are. And I'm like, look, man, women built everything. Do you really think the right sisters were going to create the airplane? Do you think that was going to happen? It just, men created everything. And they've made the job so easy that now women can do it. And so even in this case in football, it's not so easy that women can do it. And so still trying to force their way in and cowardly men still trying to include them where they don't fit. We're just creating jobs. Well, women belong everywhere. I got news for you. No, they don't. And so you and I were touching on this yesterday a bit, and it's a different type of conversation, but it's the truth. We're pretty hard on black men on this show. But I'm telling you, the people that have that are in the process of wrecking America today are the cowardly white men. You go look at the list of billionaires, all the owners of all these teams, all of them the in the NHL, NBA, NFL, NBA doesn't matter. They're all white. And every last one of them are trying to protect their paycheck. And so they care nothing about the destruction of America. They care that who do I need to put in place to keep this going until I die? And then whatever happens after that, I don't care. And I'm telling you, we've, we've gone after you and Virgil were having this discussion yesterday when the guy was defending white evangelicals. And I'm like, white evangelicals are the reason we're here. It's the biggest voting block that refuses to say anything. It's the same thing with a, I, I doubt a lot of these guys involved here. Uh, these, these white billionaires are Christians, but they were raised with it and their, and their cowardice and their capitulation to everything that people say you should do has led us right down this road of stupidity. It's all of our fault. I'm telling you, white people in America are to blame for all of the nonsense we put in front that, Hey, we're like, Hey man, black people, they vote 90% Democrat and they got all these issues and look at the rap culture. And I'm like, yeah, well, who's funding it? And who's putting all this forward and who won't put their foot down and say, I'm not doing this and I'm worth a hundred billion dollars so I can do whatever I want. And there's not one guy that'll do it. When we had that conversation yesterday and then folded into this conversation today, take I'm, this guy is not a billionaire, but he's Roger Goodell. He's the commissioner of the NFL and he's getting paid 50, 60 million dollars a year. And if he had the courage to stand up to all of this, those other billionaire owners would follow in behind him. If he were willing to take the bullets and say, you know what, I'm going to do what's right here. Jerry Jones and many of the other NFL owners would fall in behind him and follow his leadership. Now, where I'll blame Jerry Jones and the billionaire owners is they should install someone who has those type of, yes. of balls to be their leader and to be their commissioner. And they won't do it because they're cowards. And that's mm -hmm. where you're right, because the NFL plays such an important role in American culture that if it wanted to draw a line in the sand with the whole woke movement, the alphabet mafia, BLM, LGBTQ, if they want to draw a line in the sand and say, no, nah, we ain't doing it. Everybody's going to have to fold and fall in line. Even mm -hmm. Pfizer and the, 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 all of them companies that are all run by white men as well, they're going to have mm -hmm. to fall in line. And, and, and NFL won't do it because the ownership is cowardly and they all want to make sure 
that they can go to all the social gatherings and parties with the Hollywood people and, and whatever Hollywood women that they rent on weekends to fly to Dubai and do whatever it is they want to do. Trust me, this goes on. Everybody knows it. Any, any, all of these billionaires, because people don't like, don't, don't like get it. Like slavery's still going on in America. There are billionaires in America that own people, and I mean really own them. Yep. Own women. It's like Donald Sterling was so hard on that woman because trust me, he owned her, and he was pissed. And I don't want you messing around with Magic Johnson and none of these other Negroes at my basketball game because I own you. That's the stuff they won't tell you. But that is how the world operates at this level, at their well. These guys are cowards, yep. and, and you're exactly right, and, 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 and we need to make a bigger point of, and we will on this show, of, of pointing out exactly who the real cowards are. A lot of them are white billionaires, that will not stand on any type of biblical values. They won't even stand on American values that allowed them to become rich, wealthy, powerful, and have these great, they won't defend it because they're cowards and they are tolerating it and they are participating in the promotion of it. Again, you look at the NFL. They they built their Super Bowl halftime lineup around gangster rappers, guys who made a career out of selling drugs and violence to young black kids. We're gonna put them front and center on the biggest performing stage every year, Super Bowl halftime. That was a bunch of white guys that did that. 100%. And, and you're, you're, you know, TJ and I were just having this conversation. It's like, hey, Jay, let's be careful here. Cause we do, look, black culture, I'm passionate about it. It's been corrupted, but I do try to point out, and we're going to bend over backwards trying to point out like, oh, I know who's in control of that culture and who's yep. actually paying Meek Mill and, and Dr. Dre and Snoop and all the other people to, to spread that poisonous culture. And it ain't Dre and Snoop and it ain't Meek Mill. It's Robert Kraft and all of his buddies. Yes. And to go full Royce White here, they're all sellouts both the people paying and the people taking the money. They're all sellouts, every last one of them. I, I, I put this in my speech at Roll Call. I used to own a few Smoothie King franchisees, and the CEO, it came directly out of his mouth that all the woke stuff we're doing, he didn't use that word, but he meant it. He said, we don't believe any of it. It's just what's gonna make us the most money. He said that at our conference. Smoothie King is a Southern company. It, w- it was made by what was at the, uh, the guy sold it now. It was a white dude. Down in New Orleans, he sold it to, to a guy now uh, who's from Korea, and they have moved the headquarters of Dallas, but virtually all the franchisees are down in the south. It's, it's St. Louis down, and so it's a very conservative company as far as the franchises um, that are owned by people. And so there's a lot of complaints like, hey, man, why, why are we going full George Floyd here, and why are we all wearing rainbows for all of June and what's going on here. And the guy addressed it on the stage in front of all of the franchises. There were there were a thousand different franchisees. And he said, guys, we're not doing this because we believe it. Smoothie King doesn't have social stances. Smoothie King tries to make money. And so we're taking this stance because it's going to make us the most money. And that's what every last one of these cowards is doing. I'm telling you, they're all sellouts. Uh, is Elon Musk a sellout? We're selling the blue check for $8. (laughs) Am I a sellout for buying a blue check for $8? (laughs) 
I see it as, you know, I'm trying to support a platform that I use and benefit from, and I don't mind paying for something that I use and benefit from. And I got a lot of complaints about Twitter. Still do, even despite Elon's takeover. It's better, but it's not, you know, what I would actually prefer. But paying for it, supporting uh, Elon Musk, I, I think if the old regime was still in charge, I still might pay the $8, and I hated the old regime and hated the, I mean, passionately hated the old version of Twitter, but I could not and would not deny that I used it to benefit me in my career, so I don't mind paying for it. If you're a sellout, so am I. I paid for it. Um, I don't think we're sellouts. I don't know that I would pay for it for someone that I believe was pushing the values that the old regime was doing. That I don't think I would do, and so I am careful about that. But also, look, I'm a I'm a subscriber to Amazon Prime, so I am a little bit hypocritical for the things that I feel like I cannot go without. Then I still have to pay for them begrudgingly. Um, the Twitter verification, I could probably go without it if I needed to. Nobody wants to impersonate me, um, so I, I'm not too worried about that. I will tell you this: there are some things to look out for. I got no problem with what Elon did. By the way, neither does Mark Zuckerberg because. Facebook and Instagram are doing the same thing. They're not taking away the verification pad badges, but they're giving it now for a fee. And so they're trying to cash in on Elon's idea too. Oh, we can make a bunch of money off of this? Facebook's struggling for the first time since their inception. What are they going to do? They're going to find a way to, to sell subscriptions. And so here was a potential big problem. Eli Lilly had an impersonator right after they launched this subscription service. And this- Eli Lilly? Uh, yeah. The the uh, company Eli Lilly had, company. yeah yeah mm -hmm, had an impersonator right after this subscription service came out and they put the profile picture of Eli Lilly on there and spelled it you know a little bit differently because you got to have the handle but oftentimes people just see that it says Eli Lilly you can put whatever you want in your actual <coughs> name there, there might be 15 Jason Whitlocks but you're going to be the only guy that has Whitlock Jason as their uh, handle and so they tweeted out insulin is now free. And their stock dropped 5% that day before closing. They lost $15 billion on their valuation that day. That's the sort of danger you run into. And that's what people are talking about. Now, they, he's tried to find ways around that. But there are some concerns to work through. And this is some of what people are talking about. My biggest issue is this isn't actually what they're talking about. There's a few people talking like that. But the vast majority of people you have, um, like LeBron, like Stephen King and these other guys, they're just virtue signaling that I would never support this man. Take that badge away, even though uh, Elon is paying for it himself. And Elon's just making a game of it. He's he's got to save a celebrity fundraiser right now for eight dollars a pop. And he's like, we'll start a GoFundMe and we'll pay it off for you guys. And, and a lot of people say it's the principle. I would never support someone like you. It was a free service and now it's not. And you're just going to allow people to impersonate me. And it's all nonsense because we know this. If it were the other way. Right. Had Elon owned it before and tried to run it like this. And then you had an ultra liberal left wing crazy person who wanted to censor and do everything, take over. Every last one of these people would be buying a verification badge. So it's not about, well, it was free before and now it's not free. And I never pay for something that it's not. You don't want to support this guy. And you're making sure that even though he's paying for it for you and you don't have to support him, that everyone knows that you don't support him and you would never pay for that because it's a disgrace that you and your 20 million dollar net worth will not put your eight dollars forward to get that blue check.
Yeah, I saw something from Kendrick Perkins that, that's just like, man, you sitting on TV at ESPN, you, you built your whole brand off of Twitter with that carry-on and all of this stuff, and, and $8 to a month, $96 a year, is my math right? Yeah, $96 a year? It, it, it is, that's a bridge too far? I mean, I, I, you know, I've seen NBA, NFL, I've seen myself throw $100 bills on strip club floors like it was nothing. I mean, just stop it, man. And, and just, these people aren't real. And that's what drives me crazy. Everything's a virtue signal. Everything's a political statement. And, and it, it's just, I don't know, they bother me. They bother me. I got to go, TJ. Hit the, hit the like button on your way out the door, uh, TJ. Uh, All right, welcome back. Time for some Shamoke, Shamoke show. Shamika Michelle joining us from North Carolina. Uh, Shamika, you're going to have to walk me through this story. You tried to walk me through it this morning. But uh, Marcus Houston, uh, I think one of the top singers from a group called Immature in the 90s. And I'm like, I don't remember Immature. I don't remember Immature. And then, you know, you showed me some of this stuff. Or they're, they're like a knockoff of another bad creation. Anyway, Marcus Houston. I think married a 19, he's in his 40s now, and married a 19-year-old and said he preferred, you unpack the story for me. I, I do want to talk about it. I, I do have some thoughts on it, but unpack the story for me and the audience. Okay, so yes, Marcus Houston, he was a member of the popular group uh, Immature, and I couldn't remember all of their songs. The first song that came to mind was I Got the Munchies, and I was thinking I must have been smoking weed at that time. But he also played <laughs> um, on Sister, Sister. He played Roger. He was Tia and Tamara's annoying neighbor. And so a lot of people know him from Sister, Sister. Well, anyway, he was introduced to a young girl by a mutual friend. He met her at 17. He proposed to her in 2020. They were married when uh, she was 19. He was 38 at the time. And they're married. They've had a child. And for some reason, he caught heat back in 2020 when he actually proposed to her at 19 and um, 38 years old, but it has resurfaced. And I don't know if he did an interview and he said some things that kind of sparked some backlash, but people have really been going in on him. And one of the people was his bandmate who had something to say about his comments. What happened in the interview, I guess they were asking him about the age difference. He said that women his age, he's 41 years old, he could have gotten with someone that age and it be, it have it could have been disastrous. He said some women his age come with baggage. And they went on to ask him what his red flags were. And he his red flags because of his father 
were women with children. And so people are so upset. Of course, single women are upset and they feel like he wanted somebody that he could manipulate. And his bandmate, Rome, actually took to social media and, of course, did what a lot of people do, which is bow down and worship black women and act as if what he said was so wrong and it was so hurtful. And so it's just been a big mess. I think we have a video clip of some women kind of giving their commentary on it. But this kind of explains why people are so upset. I would talk to my dad a lot and he would be like, he would always tell me, look, have your own kids because you never want to have, you know, you don't know what the baby daddy's about. You know, so, you know, if you're going to have kids, make sure as a woman that they never had kids before and you can have your own. So I kind of like stuck to that. So that was always my red flag. But then that's again, that's a personal choice. Perhaps I'm wrong and misinformed, but it sounds as if someone who thinks that they deserve a fresh slate of someone easier to manipulate. I just feel like a man can't share his red flags without it being seen like I'm manipulating the woman. So you're saying that there's nothing wrong with what he said. It's how he said it. Zoe, give me 20 seconds of what you think, Zoe. Her, her explanation just sounded like a stretch. Like Andy said, he was just articulating his red flags. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Okay. To call him a manipulator, an emotional abuser, just going too far. Just going too far. So my oh, I question. I say emotional abuser. Please don't put anything right. in my she mouth. Did, she I did not that say that. She is manipulative. She did not say that. And, and I can yeah. and I can and I can say that there that is actually a very widely shared opinion that it sounds manipulative. It's not a woman's fault all the time that she comes with extra baggage, meaning children, that she's a single woman. That's not her, her fault all the time. So if that's immediately a red flag, in my opinion, that's a wrong perspective. You know, here's my first thought on all of this is I don't think a woman is officially grown until age 25 or 26. So when I hear about a man nearly 40 and a 19-year-old woman, that raises a red flag for me. That, 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 that There's an intellectual imbalance that I think is inappropriate. That dude's 40 and a 25, 26-year-old, that's a grown woman. She's been through college. She's been in the workforce two or three years. She should be, you know, out in the world and... and, and just ready for whatever. 19? You just got out of high school a year ago. That's the red flag for me. So, Jason, for me, you know, I guess we could have a discussion about the age difference and how they may not be on the same level intellectually. What really irritated me was the fact that women have an issue with accepting the fact that when you're in your 40s, you may have baggage. You know, he went on to say that a lot of women his age have attitudes. They have this uh, feeling that they don't need a man. They're independent. And that is true. And while it may sound hurtful to some single women, you have to accept the fact that your kids may be seen as baggage. 
you you're in your 40s you may have a teenage daughter or a daughter who's smelling herself you this man could come in there you have no idea if she's gonna you know say he sexually assaulted her or looked at her a certain way you could have a son who doesn't want to listen he has already been thinking he's the man in the house and now he has this attitude towards the man and the man doesn't want to deal with that so we can be really sensitive but we have to accept the fact that sometimes this is looked at as baggage you know you have this man coming in and you're looking at him like ooh, school clothes school shoes school supplies and he's thinking that he's getting some type of fresh slate you know so i do want women to understand that could be baggage also, you know, you take the fact that you may have an attitude, you may feel like, you know, you're independent, you don't need a man. A lot of men don't want to deal with that. And what also bothers me, Jason, is the fact that women act like men can't have preferences. A woman can say she want a man that's six feet, he that makes six figures, he has to be sensitive to her needs, he got to rub her feet, he got to know when she's sad, when she's happy, what she needs, he got to push her dreams, he has to help her with the things that she want to do in life. But the moment a man has any type of standards, he's demonized. So, okay, we can say 19 is young, but if his choice is not is to have a woman that doesn't have kids, he should be able to express that. If he wanted a woman that was thin and not fat, tall and not short, you know, men should be able to have their preferences and their standards the same way women do. A woman can tell a man, you have to marry me. We didn't been together four years. Meanwhile, y'all didn't been together four years, but you don't do any wifely things. You'll say something like, well, once we get married, how come some of this other stuff is not once we get married? You'll pop out a child before you have a ring. You'll shack up before you have a ring, but you won't cook a meal before you have a ring. You won't act like a wife before you have a ring. Why aren't there some standards for these other things? But yet men have to jump through hoops. That's the problem that I have with the whole preference thing. You don't think men... 40 and above have baggage? I think they do, but a woman can express that without people jumping down her back. Like a woman can say, I don't want a man with children and no one will demonize her. You know, but as soon as a man says that, everyone feels like they need to come to the defense of single women and start stroking our egos saying, you know, oh, no, that's wrong. He's being judgmental. And women will start saying, as the women did in that video, you know, it's not our, our fault. Sometimes it's we know that. But if that's his preference, he should be able to say that and have a standard and not push back away from it. I have a standard. We all have standards or preferences. So I think that the same way women can speak on what they want and not be demonized, men should be able to speak on what they want and not be demonized. If you don't want a bald-headed woman, you should be able to say, I don't want a bald-headed woman without bald women 
feeling upset and people coming to the defense of bald women. Well, she has alopecia. It's not her fault. Well, I don't care that she got alopecia. I don't want a bald woman. When I reach over, I want to rub hair. And so I feel like men should be able to say that. I agree with you. Uh, I do think it's it's because it, it does. Do you have to state your preferences? You could just execute them because once you state your preferences, then it makes that it does put women on the defensive. And then that's because, again, may not be stated or they may not be comfortable because they want to be careful. But I guarantee you a lot of women are sitting around like, Baggage? Brother, you just got off parole. You, you, you still checking in with your PO. I'm dealing with that baggage. <laughs> and, 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 and I don't blame women who don't want to deal with that baggage. But I guarantee you, let's say that uh, whoever the, how old is Carrie Washington now? She's like 40. I, I don't know if she's married, single, whatever. But let, let's take some superstar 40-year-old black woman that's single, and, and she looked around and said, hey, I don't want the baggage of somebody that's done any time in prison. And uh, what you mean? You better, you gotta give us a second chance. The man did that. You know, mass incarceration, blah, 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 blah. You gotta give me it. And, and, and I wouldn't, if I had a daughter, she came home to, to me with somebody with a criminal record, that's a no-go, that's a no-fly zone for me. That she gonna do whatever she wants to do. But the level of support I'm going to give to that it, it, it won't be the same as if the dude comes in with a clean slate, no kids, uh, you know, good job and a vision for how he wants to execute his life. So I, 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 I don't I certainly have preferences and I believe in executing them more than talking about them, because if I talk about them, it, it, it's going to spark some. <laughs> Your fat ass. I got to deal with that. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you know, it's going to spark something negative in women. And, and I'm just, oh, I got no problem. You don't like me because I'm overweight? No problem. I, I, I'm not trying to holler at you. Right. But, you know, and so, I mean, because literally, like, if I had to put number one on my list, if I hear anything remotely feminist or liberal, I'm hopping in my car. And, and it's, you're blocked from my phone, unless you're my sister or some family member or, you know, lifelong friends, Shelly, Rhonda. I, I don't want to call out names, but I, I got plenty of women in my life that are liberals. Luckily, they're family. And so I just have to put up with it. But in, in terms of dating, I hear one thing and I, I am. It's over. Yeah. I got no tolerance for it. <laughs> and that should be okay, Jason. You know, I think you're right. You do have to just execute those. I have my little things about me. You know, if a man texts me and he doesn't know the difference between T-H-E-R-E uh, or T-H-E-I-R, <laughs> I have an issue with that. If he doesn't know the difference between T-O and T-O-O -O and T-W, I'm looking at his writing. We can't do that. Or if we're talking and every time I say something, his response is, that's what's up. Or if he can't finish a sentence, his sentence is, 
why don't we go to, you know what I mean? No, I don't know what you mean. You haven't finished your sentence. That's an issue for me. And I won't just go around stating that, right? But if somebody asks me, then I'll tell them what my preferences are. And I think this is what happened with with Marcus Houston. Because of the age difference, people inquired about it. And so he had to expound on why he chose the way that he did. So I do think you just have to execute him. But if someone asks, you know, I don't have a problem with saying, you know, what my preferences are. I got a lot of heat when I first started this show for making a statement that said, I prefer black men. I still get people inboxing me saying, you know, I wish you didn't prefer black men. I would love to take you out. You probably would, but it ain't going to (laughs) happen. So, you know. Well, I've exposed my hypocrisy uh, yesterday as you know, as as I've said, and so I I am a hypocrite, and so this I'm, also, I'm saying this out of humor and out of reality, and it's just the truth, and I just I just execute on it, and again I'm a hypocrite, I know it, so I, I'm sorry if this offends you, I'm a hypocrite, but I got a rule. If if your elbow touches my elbow when we in a car, no <laughs> dice. There's only room for one overweight person in this relationship, and that position's already been taken. When we get on a flight, <laughs> I don't want your elbow to touch my elbow when we on a flight. It's just, <laughs> I know I'm a hypocrite, but there can only be one overweight person in the relationship or it just won't work. Yeah, and, and I like men, I don't like men with little teeth. You know, I have found, <laughs> maybe I like horses. I don't know what it is, but I need to be able to see your teeth when you are talking to me. I don't like little teeth men. I don't, you know, so we all have our little quirks and our things that are just, you know, who we are. I don't think anything is wrong with it. You know, I don't want little teeth men to feel like now they can't talk to me, but you do know, <laughs> you know, I will be checking to see the size of your teeth. If I can't see them. I've never heard this one. I've heard I've heard of that stipulation, but not related to teeth. But we'll leave it. There. We'll leave it there. Thank you, Jamaica. Thank uh, you. Good job as always. Uh, we'll play tomorrow. And we'll see you tomorrow. Oh, we'll see you next week. Free.